what is up everybody thank you all for joining me in the latest mortcast part of the csgn mhs network i'm of course your host jeff morton all right i wanted to wait on the doing this and and by the way um for those who don't know i'm going into a consistent schedule here I know I haven't been doing that. I've been doing it basically after every game. Uh, but now that the we are in the off season, unless there's news breaking, I'm going to be doing uh, a podcast Monday, Wednesday, Friday of every week. Okay, three a week. Um, and though for those who follow my second podcast, the Gen X Show, I'm going to be doing that on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So we've got... Basically, I'm going to be doing five podcasts a week, so I hope everyone enjoys that. Um, a bit of variety there. Um, and then this offseason, I'm not going to be concentrating as much on Nugget-specific um, stuff unless there is a uh, actually new something newsworthy worthy to be talking about. Um, I'm trying to kind of differentiate myself from the 8,000 other Nuggets podcasts out there. Uh, so uh, I kind of want to during the off season focus on league wide stuff, things that come up in the league and all that stuff. Um, and when we get back into nugget season, or if there's news, I'm going to talk specifically about that. But each of these podcasts are going to be about an hour, a half hour, 35 minutes, unless I have a guest and I plan on having sprinkling in a bunch of guests during the year. So with that long winded explanation over, the first half of this podcast, I'm going to talk to you about how I perceive um, and due to my 30-something years of watching the NBA, I'm going to give you what I perceive as good news for Nuggets fans and a little bit of a little bit of bad news, but I think it's going to be good news, um, mostly. Um, I spent the last couple of days talking to people I know in the league Um People are always surprised at this. Why is that? I mean, I covered the Nuggets for 14 years. I mean, <laughs> you wouldn't, you would, you would, you wouldn't think that it would be questionable that I would have tons of sources, but whatever. Um, I talked to a bunch of people after the after the basically after the parade on Thursday, and I wanted to get an idea of the the the, the perception of the Nuggets in the league because. Um, we are in a bubble here and we kind of go based on what people see in the media and or what we see in the media and then what uh you know is fed to us through other things um the players are always the last to come around on someone so i'm going to get to that last but uh, as far as with the way front offices view the denver nuggets and stuff like that and as Jokic was tearing up in the playoffs you could tell that there was a oh shit element to it pardon my language um and i think it was done in a way that was very similar to the way that teams responded to steph curry in 2013 uh in his breakout year um there is there is a moment like that but this is this culminated with the nuggets it, it, people always i mean Jokic had two mvps so obviously he had that had the respect of of at least the league office and stuff like that but when you talk about teams and people who cover teams and people who cover uh the the the, the individual teams and people within these teams the prevailing notion didn't really cement until Jokic basically dominated the entire playoffs. I think he, I wouldn't even call any game he had a bad game. He was remarkably consistent. And um, a couple things that I have learned have been interesting for Nuggets fans to kind of contemplate as the Nuggets go into this year. 
the Nuggets themselves um, acquitted themselves very well last year in, in getting Bruce Brown and KCP, in, very specifically, and, and to a lesser extent, uh, Christian Brown, and we, you know, we have no idea about Peyton Watson. But um, most chiefly, uh, in a championship window, Bruce Brown and um, KCP. Um, and the credit that actually the Nuggets get the most of is capitalizing on the lack and the, on the basically the fuck up that other people in the league had with uh, trying to get uh, Bruce Brown. Um, there was a belief in the league that there wasn't a market for him. The Nuggets did something smart, which in, and at the time was seen deemed to be stupid. And I will. Fully agree that I, I at the time, if you want to blast me for this, I was fully on the "what the hell are the Nuggets doing" kind of thing. But I've said this before, and I think people really this bears repeating. Um, getting um, DeAndre Jordan helped with the Nuggets with Bruce Brown. They're they are part of they were part of this triumvirate with the New Jersey Nets. Uh, he, Jeff Green, and Bruce Brown. And having two guys like that on their roster um, definitely helped. And I think Bruce Brown was signed a couple days, two, three days after um, Jordan. Having Jordan signed helped with addition to having Jeff Green on the, on the roster. And I will give Calvin Booth credit because of the moves he made, I think that is the probably the most the one most deserving of praise. The KCP thing was always going to happen, whether Tim Connolly was here or Calvin Booth. Um, I, it's just people don't want to believe this, but it was 100% true that Nuggets were signaling that the KCP was their target. The trade as it manifested itself was uh, basically what would have happened in other regimes. Um, Booth doesn't get the kudos for that that he does Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown is the coup de grace of the Booth era. Forget, you know, taking a player in 20-something like he did with uh, Christian Brown that most people would have taken. Um, we're still up in the air about the Peyton Watson thing. We haven't really, quite frankly, folks, we haven't seen enough. But Bruce Brown is, you could argue, was the the element that gave the Nuggets the power to to um, put them over the top because he added uh, the he was the the as I said before he was a bit of spice. He was that thing that the Nuggets really had lacked for God have lacked for ages uh, since Kenny Martin was here. So. This was manifesting itself through through the league. People were already impressed with the Nuggets and what they did there, and Jokic was having another good season. Um, I will tell people um, this is 100% true. The way the Nuggets ended the season affected perceptions of the Denver Nuggets, and it wasn't just in the media. It was through the league, from players to front offices. Um, and... The, it, it was remarkable to me because it lacked the context of the Nuggets being eight games up at the, on the one seed um, at the beginning of March with only think, less than 20 games left, 16, something like that. And I think I think that people over because I think the Nuggets lost four in a row, then they won four in a row, then they lost a bunch. Um the Nuggets were, as I have explained before on this podcast, the Nuggets were 100% preserving their health, which is another subject that I'm going to get to right at the end of this first segment and let you know how that that itself was perceived. 
Uh, I don't think it'll be as easy for the Nuggets to do what they did at the end of the season next year. Um, but the Nuggets being able to do that and kind of coast into the uh, playoffs because they knew what kind of team they had really benefited them. And that was really not something that was uh, fully realized on the league level. And then, of course, that what the existential crisis would be leading up to this is Jokic's dominance in the playoffs. Um, Jokic being able to do what he did at a consistent level and do it in the way he did it against Rudy Gobert, against uh, the Suns, which didn't really, I mean, Aiton, you know, it is what it is. But very particularly, very particularly Anthony Davis, because there was still some holdover from uh, the bubble and the way the Lakers played. Each of those games was close, but it was kind of like it was a gentleman's sweep in that one. Um, uh, people still viewed it like the way we Nuggets fans view this sweep over the Lakers and that it's, the Nuggets didn't really have a chance. So it is hard to shake that notion, even in the league, even among players, until you actually do it, unless until you actually beat a team. So... I in the conversations I've been having, and there have been numerous. Uh, the, the 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 notion is among, I and mean, without specifying anything tremendously, I the the perception I got is that the way Jokic approached these playoffs was an eye opener for the league, and will greatly affect the way certain teams. I'm not saying all of them, but certain teams proceed. Um, and primarily due to a couple things. One, Jokic is a one-on-one. -on -one. There's and no one is looking to duplicate Nikola Jokic. We saw with um, um, Sabonis in this the playoffs this year that there's only one Nikola Jokic. It's, it's we saw that with you, the guy who was uh, billed as a, a another Jokic. He just didn't have that thing, and he was largely shut down. And actually not largely completely shut down. And I think that that part is, is something kind of accepted in the league and he's a one of one a la Steph Curry. Um, but the, uh, another big overriding notion that I got was that the, the nugget size was something that shocked people because the league has been for, I mean, what you would basically say for the last 12 years or so with the emergence of the heat and the way they played um, back in when LeBron was there was this notion that you had to go small and everyone had to be switchable. And that really, really, really was part of the, the crisis that gave people back in 2011, 12, 13 and 14 was how the Heat were able to play with Chris Bosh and uh, Dwayne Wade and LeBron James and a bunch of guys on the minimum contracts. They were able to do something that just basically involved switching, uh, playing like everyone can play multiple positions and guard multiple people um, and do all of this in a very small way. Chris Bosh was not a big center. I think it was what, 6'10", um, 6'9", 6'10". He, he wasn't your traditional big guy. And the league reacted to that by beginning this, this era of going small. And 
it's it usually within the league it takes a while for people to get out of a a a kind of train of thought through the 70s 80s and 90s it was got to find a center because the center is the ultimate thing you can center yourself around no no pun intended um by the time you got to the uh, got to the mid '90s into the uh, into the 2000 early 2010s, it was all about the guards and wings. And then when uh, uh, LeBron and the Heat were doing their thing, it was about switchability, positionless basketball, all of this stuff. All that being said, the Nuggets challenged that notion. And one of the things that really stuck out in these playoffs is the lack of size. Um, when you have Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., and Nikola Jokic in your starting lineup, that is a big starting lineup. And you can throw in whoever you want at the guard area, but that is a big starting lineup. The existential crisis is uh, twofold. How the Nuggets are generally, because of who they have under contract already, are a big team. And uh, it's hard to compete with that kind of size, particularly if you got, I mean, one of the underrated things during this playoff run is how well Michael Porter Jr. rebounded the ball. And when you have him, Gordon, and, and Jokic just sucking up all the rebounds, um, playing against these smaller teams, uh, it makes it really hard to compete because you don't get those second chances in which small ball teams, if they weren't hitting a, a great amount of three-point shots, thrive on. So the Nuggets challenged in a fundamental way, the ability for teams to go small. And I think that is what is what I've been hearing is one of the things that has um, shook the league, other than the fact that Jokic was so dominant. And the league is now coming to the notion, I believe, this is my interpretation of everything I've read and seen and talked about and, and with other people, is that the league is probably accepting that, much like Steph Curry, there is no, that Jokic is a one-on-one -on -one and you can't replicate that guy. You know, Sengun's not going to be able to do what Jokic did on his level. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Sabonis is not going to be able to do that. Um people being able to do what Jokic does it's a, it's it's extremely hard you have to have a certain mentality and you also have that kind of uh get everyone involved my goal is to spread the ball around kind of thing that very few very few players possess and i don't think people in the league think that's replicable but they do as I'm, the bad news of this is that I think there is going to be a a pursuit to combat the Nuggets' size, which is something that the Nuggets are going to be have to be very aware about. Um, the team that is set up the most to do that sort of thing is probably the Lakers, but you're going to see teams adapt, and they want to be able to do the Lakers model of 2020 where they had Dwight Howard on Jokic and let Davis roam. The Ruri Hachimura adjustment is uh, was uh, fun while it lasted, but it obviously didn't didn't work out the way that the, the Lakers thought it would. And it was obviously a hail mary, as I discussed on this podcast. And I think I think what we've failed to kind of see is that the, one of the Nuggets' big if you have athletic and, and big guys who are able to really capitalize on their length and grab rebounds, it just 
changes the game and it forces teams to make shots. Teams want to get shots on rim. Um, they want to get up shots and they want to be able to get second chance points when they miss. Um, one of the problems of the pace and space era has been that the fact that it's been an overemphasis and it relied on hitting an inordinate amount of three point shots. Um, the Nuggets shot a lot of threes, but you saw in game five, oh, I mean, even a little in game four, that the Nuggets' ability to win despite not hitting their threes is fundamentally earth shaking for a league that has really over gone onto over reliance on the three point shot. That's never going away. Uh, it's still going to be a high percentage of the offense, but the Nuggets' ability to do other things and uh, kill in the mid-range and grab all the rebounds shook people. And that's why the Nuggets have been able to dominate the way they did in these these playoffs. People have seen it in the league. And the bad news is people are going to actively try to combat the Nuggets' size issue. And that is the the the, uh, the one of the things we need to watch going into this yeah, as I call it, NBA stupid season, which is the and right now. Um, so on the other side of the break, I'm going to talk to you about uh, NBA stupid season and what to how to interpret things, what to talk about, what to concentrate on. I don't anticipate there's going to be a ton of Nuggets news. Um, they made their trade during the finals, which uh, kind of. Um, Cause some eyebrows to be raised, uh, but uh, then the, I don't anticipate nugget specific news to be dominant, but you know, you never know, and then we'll be talking about it on CSG if it happens. But I want to talk about how you need to understand that um, certain people have certain ears of certain people, and it will really help you from and prevent you from making the mistake of retweeting some things that, or reading some things and taking it to heart that maybe you shouldn't. So anyway, we'll be getting to that right after the break. Right. We're in the middle of stupid season. Um, here's a kind of a, a, a rundown of something that I have experienced the last 14, you know, it's amazing. I've, I've done this for 14 years, basically, or no money doing it. Um, and one of the payoffs about this is just like being able to interpret things. Um, this is just the guidelines that I use. Um, first of all, there's always agendas and in NBA stupid season, uh, which is draft and then free agency, which hit really quickly. I mean, the draft is in a couple days as of this. And then right after that, right after that. It's free agency. So there is going to be a lot of stupidity out there. And sometimes it's hard to weed, weed through the bullshit. Um, one of the things I learned is that uh, very quickly is that you can sometimes easily tell when there is an agenda. And some, some guys are closer to agents. Um, some guys are closer to players. Some guys are closer, closer to management. Um, Nine times out of ten, if you want the menial stuff and you want the workaday stuff and you want the stuff that's going to keep you informed, as always, talk to the 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 beat beat reporters who cover the teams every day. They they will keep you grounded in uh, in your legit news as far as from a team perspective. Um, 
you are only as good as the your willingness of your source to not lie. <laughs> it's what I have found out many a time. Um, and sometimes sources lie to get out information. But nine times out of ten, your beat writers are just going to give you the meat and potatoes stuff that is out there with a perspective of the team. And that will often be something that is grounding. And I say grounding in a sense that you, you won't get the hyperbole of the national things that come out, national reporters. There are certain national reporters you know exactly who they're talking to, particularly Chris Haynes, who is very close to players. So anything that Haynes talks about nine times out of 10 is going to be based on someone he talked to as that's a player or player perspective or someone around a player. Um, other guys, I mean, Woj talks to agents and teams. Um, Shams talks to a lot of agents. Um, and he has not quite the breadth of team um, contacts that Woj does, but he does have, you know, he's plugged in. And then there's a bunch of the other guys who are below them who you can choose to believe or not. But those are the, the you know, some of the uh, the big ones. Um, like for the, the, the Blazers, there's people are going to be focused on the Blazers this year for obvious reasons. Um, my advice there is to listen to, um, uh, you know, Actually, Chris Haynes was plugged in a little bit up, up there, but Sean Hyken is uh, is a guy to pay attention to. There, he's got really solid reporting on on what's been going on with Lillard and all that stuff. Be sure and follow Sean Hyken. He is he is going to be invaluable to you this year. He is going to be very invaluable to you in this off season as stuff swirls swirls around um, the. New Orleans Pelicans and the, all the stuff that's coming out about Zion and all the rumors. Um, be sure and pay attention to our good buddy, uh, Christian Clark. Uh, Christian uh, is, is got a level head. He's, he's uh, got a, he does, he did that great article on the relationship between uh, David Griffin and uh, Zion Williamson a couple of years ago. Um, be sure and follow him for information on that. Obviously, still follow Woj and Shams and Chris Haynes and all these guys. But the, the discerning thing is to kind of know where the perspective is coming from because you get yourself, you can get yourself really worked up into things. And I think if you kind of keep this grounded thing, like you, like I'm going to pay attention to the beat writers for the most part, Woj, if he gets it out, you can take it to the bank. Um, mostly the same with Shams and Chris Haynes. You know, Chris is, he's being told these things for a reason, but here's the, here's the thing to be, here's the thing to be kind of talked about here. There's, there's leverage that exists within players. There's leverage that exists between, you know, owners and management of the team that has that said player. And then there's a teams who are wanting their own agenda to get out so about a certain player who's on another team. So they will leak things to another. I mean, it is, it is freaking madness. And I fully expect this thing to be permeating the entire league uh, as we get into uh, closer to the draft. Because for everything I hear is that the second pick and the third pick are the ones to watch. And 
you know, there's some craziness that happens in the draft sometimes. Not all the time. Actually, most of the time, you don't get a ton of it. You get picks being traded and stuff like that. But you generally don't get the huge amount of players being moved. And that usually doesn't start happening until uh, the new league year, which coincides with free agency. So, um, but there's sometimes that happened. And so, you know, you got two players, uh, Miller and uh, Henderson at the top under Wimbamiana, Yama, Wimbamiana, who uh, are the focus of a lot of different teams. Their stock has risen to a point where they are high value. And you've got... Obviously, you've got Charlotte and you've got um, uh, Portland right in those positions. So these teams, Portland has considerations with Damian Lillard. Um, and then you think about the Pelicans, you know, Zion Williamson and the ability to do whatever they're choosing to do there. And there's a lot of different things you could talk about with the Pelicans right now. But once again, uh, look up our old buddy Christian Clark, and you'll have a better understanding of that than I could. There are, there's going to be some stuff happening, and it's good to kind of have a good base of knowledge, especially if you're really into this sort of thing. If you're a casual fan, you don't give a shit, and you'll be happily surprised by the news. But if you're really intently following this stuff, it's always good to kind of just keep a, a grounding of of good information and follow the beat writers of the teams, uh, um, the ones that, you know, are know are trustworthy. And, uh, and then on top of that, Woj, Shams, Chris Haynes, um, Mark Stein a little bit. Stein's not quite as plugged in as some. Uh, he's really good at, with Dallas stuff. So uh, if there's something going on with the Mavericks, he's good. Um, there are there are ESPN reporters who are good too. Um, uh, anything LeBron related, obviously Brian Windhorst uh, will have a inside track on that. I mean, it's just there's there's varieties of ways to look at the information and glean it, but understand that there are some. If you get sucked in and you feel, and if you're really into this sort of thing and you feel the stress, there are agendas that are being worked out through Twitter and and leaks sometimes. And as we get into NBA stupid season, I'm going to keep calling it that. Um, as we get farther and farther into this, it's just going to get harder and harder to discern what is real and what is uh, garbage. And I think that the best way to do this is once again, follow the beat writers. I mean, follow Mike Singer out here, follow, you know, who your favorite guy is, who's at the following the team every day. Um, and get the perspective of people who at least know something about the team. If you're worried about Denver Nuggets, so the Denver Nuggets, as I said before, are probably going to be pretty simple this year. Um, but if you're worried about something, the, the, the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to be doing, um, John, John Krasinski and uh, uh, Chris Hines, Chris Hine are, are really good. Follow them. If you're looking for that perspective too, there's, there's just no, no, who is no, who is going to give you the best information, have your trusted sources, have your trusted information. Um, cause nine times out of 10, they're trusted for a reason. They won't lead you astray. They're not going to tweet out some bullshit. And there's going to be a lot of bullshit out there from a lot of unverified accounts, a lot of, uh, well, at this point, un unverified doesn't mean jack shit. Um, old Elon's handing out check marks to 
to people who probably don't need them. Um, but, uh, you know, there's, there's the perspective of, of, of having just, there's going to be a lot of bullshit. And if you stay grounded with the people you trust nine times out of 10, as a casual fan, or even a, even a regular fan, you're not going to get your blood boiling. If you follow the people who will give you the best information. Um, and I think that's, that's good. And as far as the Nuggets fans, this is going to be interesting to watch the way these play out here and to see how these teams, as I pointed out before, and see how these teams react to the Denver Nuggets, see how these teams try to mold their rosters. There may be some teams who go ultra small. There is still a notion out there. It's albeit small. There's still a notion out there that going five out is the way to beat the Nuggets. And there are going to be some teams who double down on that. Um, but m the notion I got is that there is going to be a renewed effort to make sure you are, are sizey at certain positions. And um, it's seeing how the Nuggets' size advantage really was a big part of the reason they dominated so much. The small ball era, as far as I'm concerned, is, is, is waning. This is this is not the death knell, but this is the beginning of the end of the small ball era. Uh, teams are seeing the value of rebounding and all this stuff. And I think, first of all, I mean, as someone who has valued big man play for a long time, I think that's a good thing. So anyway, thank you all for joining me on the latest Morecast. I'll be back on Wednesday with another episode. Uh, I haven't decided what I'm going to talk about yet, but uh, we'll, I'll, I'll figure something out. Uh, follow me at jmorton78 and at csg underscore network. Uh, this podcast posts at csg underscore network and, uh, and follow a bunch of the, your uh, favorite guys and the and the Nuggets beat, and uh, that way you won't get stressed out. All right, thank you all for joining me. I'll be back on Wednesday. Goodbye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.